0: Welcome to another episode of the Top Dogs. My name is Rob Dostra. I'm here right now with my producer, Tristan Tucker. We are going to be joined in just a little bit by Andrea Hurley, the wife of UConn head coach Dan Hurley. We're going to get into a long conversation about how she and Danny first met, what it's like living with a basketball coach that happens to be a germaphobe, and so, so much more about the UConn program on the side of it. You, you don't really get to see all that often publicly. But before we do all that, Tristan, it was a rough weekend to be a UConn fan. Tough loss at home. against a Providence team that uh, is never fun for UConn fans to lose to. So it was a bit of a drag for me this weekend. How was
1: your weekend? It was pretty good for me personally. I got to go to Charlotte uh, for the Basketball Hall of Fame shootout. So that was pretty cool to be around all those teams. Got to see Richmond and uh, the Bonnies and VT and all those other teams. But yeah, no, definitely a rough weekend for UConn.
0: Yeah, so, uh, so I, I need to go on a rant here because um, I'm a little bit frustrated with some of the discourse around this, the, the program and the team and, and kind of where they are at at this point. So first and foremost, um, I just want to make the point that UConn right now, as it stands, is probably like four or five possessions away from being an undefeated team. Right. You get to make a couple shots here. Other team misses a couple shots. You have a couple of whistles go the other way. Uh, things like that. That's how fine the margins are right now for UConn. Between being a team that is sitting here at eight and three and zero and one of the Big East, with fans feeling like the ceilings collapsing on them, and sitting at eleven and zero with a ranking that's probably somewhere in the top ten, uh, and everybody talking about how this team is destined for the Final Four, um, so I want you to think about that. Keep that in mind. That it's four or five possessions away from feeling like this is the best team that we've seen in a long time at UConn to feeling like the world is collapsing and the world is caving in. So, their margin of uh, defeat is eleven points combined, yes. so in three games, eleven yep. points three games. You know, if Tyler Polly hits one of those threes um, down the stretch against West Virginia or uh, Jordan Hawkins hits an open three that he had late in the game against Providence or um, that possession with a minute left, I think it was uh, against Providence, RJ Cole missed a three from the corner and then Tyrese Martin missed a three off of an offensive rebound. One of those goes in. Or we talked about it when it first happened, the foul against Tyrese, or the, the foul on the the offensive rebound that Tyrese got that wasn't called and the foul that was called against RJ in the Michigan State game. If any of those things change, it's a very different discourse around what the season is at this point. I also think it's worth pointing out, UConn has not lost a game when they've been at full strength. When they lost to Michigan State, they didn't have Isaiah Whaley. We know how important he is for this team on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, when they lost to uh, West Virginia, they were without, without Tyrese Martin and Adama Sanogo, who I would argue are the two best players and the two most important players on this team um and when they lost to providence they did not have adama and that's significant specifically uh for the providence game because i do think that the way that providence defended them would have not been effective if adama had been healthy essentially what providence did was overplayed everything on the perimeter um so much of all right let, let me let me rewind so much of what yukon's offense is without adama Sinogo there is just a bunch of double screens right a bunch of down screens a bunch of pin downs they run a whole bunch of sets and they have a whole bunch of scripted actions to try to get guys like rj cole coming off a pin down or off of a dribble handoff or off of a ball screen to try to get uh tyler polly coming off of a a double screen so he can catch and shoot on a three same thing with jordan hawkins right they run a lot of sets to get a lot of their perimeter players in a place where they can catch and shoot or or, um or run it off of, of screens um and what Providence did was kind of switch that and take that away and eliminate that part of uh, UConn's offense. And uh, when you don't have that pressure release inside, it, it, you can't really do anything against a defense that is playing that way, especially when, um, especially when so much of what UConn's offense, the way that they built them or the way that it was built by Dan Hurley was to get the ball into the post. So if you, that's why you saw, I mean, Isaiah Whaley had a couple of slips that, that where RJ was able to find them. I think they scored on four layups that way. It's because of the way that Providence was playing. They weren't guarding the paint because they knew that UConn wasn't going to throw the ball to anybody on the block. And it makes you very one-dimensional and predictable to not have such an important part of your offense. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's a huge reason why some of what happened on Saturday was stagnant. And it's a huge reason why I'm not all that worried about what this team's offense is going to be once they can get back to full strength. Now, um, that doesn't mean that they're playing great, right? But the fact that they are 11 points away from being undefeated, despite the fact that their offense hasn't really gotten out of second gear yet, like that should tell you everything you need to know about where this team can be once they get it figured out, where this team can be once they get healthy, where this team can be once they get to 100%. And here's another thing I'm going to tell you, Tristan. I've seen a lot of discussion and a lot of discourse has been about how uh, UConn is, is not the same kind of a team as they were in 2014 or as they were in 2011, or as they were in 2009 or 2004, 1999, when they had their great runs in the tournament. And for the first couple of years, I'll give you that. Like, look, the 1999 team, there was they were number two in the country for the majority of the season. They were number one for a long stretch of that season. They were very clear that the second best team in basketball. They had pros up and down the lineup. This year's roster in the 1999 team, they're they're not comparable. It's a different level of talent. Same thing with the 2014, team, and I think you could probably make the argument it's pretty similar for 2009. That said, 2014 they were a seven seed in the NCAA tournament. They lost two of their first three games in AAC play. 2011, they were a nine seed in the Big East tournament before making that long run. They had a great early season schedule, and then they lost their first game of Big East play um, in 2011. In 2009, they were the number one team in the country, and they got drilled at home in their first game of Big East play by Georgetown. So it's not like UConn doesn't have a history of of losing some games early on in, in conference play. Yeah. No one, it's, no one remembers those games, right? No one remembers that they lost two of their first three games in the AAC in 2014. They remember the national title. Nobody remembers that this team was a nine seed in the Big East tournament in 2011 because what they remember is that five-day one run in the garden behind Kemba, and they remember the six-game run in the NCAA tournament. That's because the team that had promised figured out in the games that actually mattered. So my point is, my ramble finished is, this team has a chance to be very, very good and make a run in March. This team has a chance. They've proven it with their defense to be a team that can get to the second weekend. And if you can get to the second weekend, all you got to do is go 2-0 and and anything can happen. They are good enough to do that. They got to figure some things out offensively. Everybody knows that. They got to get healthy. That is not a secret, right? But to act like the sky is falling because they lost three, basically one possession games, is just come on. This is yeah. how good they are, and their offense has been stuck in second gear. They, they're, they're not clicking on that end of the floor. Eventually, it's going to happen. Eventually, Jordan Hawkins is going to get the confidence back to be the guy that was scoring 15 points a game earlier on this year. Tyler Polly is too good of a shooter to be shooting 28% all season long. He is going to start making them. Once he starts making them, that's going to open up everything, right? When Adama gets back, it's going to change things. He's going to be their go-to guy offensively. That'll open up. That'll make life so much easier for RJ. So just, like, Chill. Fans, just like relax okay yes Saturday sucked I promise you that no one is taking that harder than the people in Dan Hurley's house right now right the people within that actual program I promise yeah. you that the, what you're feeling is not worse than what the UConn players right now are feeling um, so just just relax and then there's another thing I want to rant on Tristan and I'm sorry for just taking over this 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 portion of it but like the complaints about the like what players are playing and when they are playing, right? Um, a cook, a cook is a perfect example. He had a couple blocks early against Providence and then didn't really play much in the second half. Part of the reason he didn't play is that, the, I, and I, I don't mean to single him out, but part of the reason like he didn't really get as many minutes in the second half is one, he's not physical enough to deal with Nate Watson and and, and Ed Croswell, right? Like that's just, his game is more, you know, he's at his best if he's able to switch and do things on the perimeter and be your weak side shot blocker. If you ask him to go one-on-one in the post or block out some of these like big physical 250 pound guys, like that's just not, that's not what he does best. It was not a right matchup for him. And I think the perfect, perfect example of that is Andre Jackson finished with 12 defensive rebounds, right? Like having him out there, to finish off possessions was more important than a coca cook getting a couple blocks that's why he didn't play all that many minutes that's why he finished the game minus 14 in their plus minus right um another one is rasul dickens like you don't know what's going on in that practice you you're you're not Mm -hmm. in there on the day-to-day so rasul dickens may be the most talented point guard in the world if he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing in practice if he's not doing what Dan Hurley wants me to do in practice like there's no way there's no way for you to know there's no way for me to know there's no way for anybody other than that program to know so if you're going to like if you're going to trust this the this coaching staff to do it the right way and do it the way that they want to do it and and believe that they're going to be able to win games like you just kind of have to roll with the punches on it you know it's it's they'll get there And, and something really stands out to me is that um in the preseason, right, when we had Dan Hurley on this very podcast, one of the things that he said is that you can see the growth of a program in the fact that, like, three or four years ago, they would have been starting guys like Russell Diggins and Jordan Hawkins and Samson Johnson because they needed the players that had that kind of talent to be playing right away. Whereas this year, they're in a situation where they have to make their, those guys, those talented freshmen that are coming in, earn their minutes by beating out upperclassmen. And right now, that's, that's what's happening. You need Russell Diggins. You need Jordan Hawkins. You need Samson Johnson. If you want them to play, they got to go out there and earn their minutes. And the way that you earn your minutes is by doing what the coaching staff has you to do with practice. And if, if they're not playing, then you just kind of have to accept that's probably what it is. So <sighs> relax. It's going to be okay. All right? We got a game yeah. on Tuesday. It, it'll, it'll be okay. You don't have to get all th- this worked up over every single game. Not every single game is a referendum on an entire coaching tenure and the history of a program. Just it's a shitty loss. It sucks. I'm frustrated
1: too. We'll move on. We'll be better. I mean, it's always going to sting now. It's always going to sting to fall out of the top 25, but uh, you couldn't have said it better. I mean, this team has seen early season struggles before. I, I think they're pretty, like, I think they have a losing record all time in season or in conference openers. I mean, it's just, to me, and this is going to sound a little weird, but to me, it's a little bit better maybe to have those losses early on. I mean, as opposed to being undefeated and maybe not knowing what your weaknesses are, maybe not being as uh, prone to seeing what those weaknesses are. Uh, now you have a chance to build and develop on that. Um, yeah. And I mean, there are silver linings to every game. I,
0: yeah. I mean, that's actually a, a really good point. If you're, if you could be undefeated at this point, then um then maybe you wouldn't necessarily. It's easy to kind of paper over the cracks if yeah. you actually had the bad, um, the bad results show up in the loss column. Yeah, you know, like the, if they had won those four games or those three games, there would still be the same issues that they have right now. You just have a better record. So, uh, yeah, knowing knowing what you have to, they know what they have to fix, right? And yeah. Like I said, it, it, they'll they'll. I trust that they'll get it fixed. They'll find a way to make this thing work. It's gonna be it's gonna be okay,
1: UConn fans. I promise you. And you have to feel better knowing, too, that, I mean, if you have Adama, if you have Tyrese for those games, you're probably winning, you're most almost definitely winning. I mean, it's hard to play what-ifs, but, I mean, like, come on, uh, you lost. Almost, almost like having your leading score
0: is something yep. that would help out the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah maybe. Um, and, I mean, there are two, I mean, there are silver linings to every game. Um, something that stood out to me, too, I mean, you talked about Andre Jackson a minute ago. I don't know if you saw this, but um, – uh, the head coach of uh, Providence said that he was like, he reminded him of a, of a young Scotty Pippen. Uh, huh? So, I mean, you get to see these kinds of things happen. Uh, and these younger players are getting this time. Uh, Jordan Hawkins, maybe he's struggling right now, but I mean, letting him hit the pavement early and like get these minutes early and have this responsibility early, it's only going to benefit him in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Just deep breath. <laughs> Yeah. It's almost like we said this exact same thing like two weeks ago and the case is still the same. Yeah. It's,
0: it's going it, to, I promise you it's going to be okay. It is a long, long season and we're not even the third of the way through it. So yep. relax. They're going to figure it out. We're going to get healthy. We're going to be okay. I promise you that. Uh, well, anyways, Tristan, let's get into that interview with Andrew Hurley because this one was fun and kind of went all over the place. Before we move on, Let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at BetRivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up for BetRivers yet, now is the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their rush pay and approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, it's more secure, and it's more reliable. Now that basketball season is tipping off, get in on the action at BetRivers.com today or by downloading the Bet Rivers iOS app. You must be 21 years or older. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And while I got you here, let's talk about the Field of 68 Media Network, where college basketball matters most all year round. This is a digital media and podcast network that we've been building over the course of the last year. We have shows hosted by some of your favorite players covering the program that they love the most. A.J. Guyton hosts the House of Hoosier. Eric Divendorf covers Syracuse on the scorer's table. Dan Dickow hosts the Gonzaga Bulldog broadcast. We have Florida's Patrick Young and Duke's Andre Dawkins and North Carolina's Shimon Williams and Michigan's Sue Douglas and Illinois' Deion Thomas. The list goes on and on and on. We have more than 30 shows right now. So hit the links below and check them all out. And while you're at it, make sure that you go check out the Field of 12 media network, your home for college football. Now let me welcome on to Top Dogs, the queen of the UConn basketball program, the mother of Huskies, and one half of the Ball is Wife podcast, none other than Andrea Hurley. Andrea, thank you so much uh, for being here.
2: Thank you for having me. I mean, I I never thought I'd be on a sports podcast. I mean, this is kind of like fish out of
0: water. I don't well, know what I can answer. You're you're a sports podcast host now
2: i know but i don't talk about sports so don't That's ask me any xo questions i have no idea
0: oh, I, I i wouldn't even dream of it um so we, but we are recording this about uh what 48 hours after um yukon lost to providence and 36 hours before a game against marquette so i, I want to know right now living in the house that you live in is your sanity holding up okay
2: mine is not but he's always better than i am like you know, of course, hey, listen, you know what, we've been doing this a long time, What? this is 25 years. We've gone through a lot of losses. We've been through a lot of great wins. We've, I mean, this is, he, he, this is what he does. You know, it's like, you know, we've been to rock and um, we were at Rockers where he got fired, you know, had a, you know, everything was always like it wasn't nothing was smooth you know it's like he had to find his way built he, he builds things i mean everybody says that it's like he you know he's used to this he gets back i mean yeah the first night after a loss it's excruciating i mean i wouldn't wish this house on anyone like i you know he gets home and it's it's all night of carousel calls from coaches and you know just just meetings in the mind it's like they they just keep going over it and rehashing and, and trying to fix things and thinking of different you know it's just it's all night long but then the next day, I mean, he gets on back on his horse, like he always does. And, you know, and fixes it, you know, and and tries to, you know, he's going to do it. And, you know, but meanwhile, I'm home thinking about, you know, oh my gosh, you know, da, 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 what, that this was horrible. Like this was t- you know, how, how bad losses for whatever reason, they never get any easier. It's like, and I say this to him and I get in so much trouble every time he yells at me, but I'm like, why are losses for any coach so shocking? I mean, not for nothing. You you have a profession where you either you win or you lose. I know he's like, you sound so stupid, but I'm not, this doesn't sound stupid. You either win or you lose. You have to do one or the other. And when you lose, it's like, it's like debilitating. Like, I can't believe this happened. It's like, you know, nobody wants to lose. I mean, this is what they you know, this is what it's all about. this This whole profession is about winning, getting somewhere. and it's like, but you know what? He's been doing this for so long. We wouldn't be at Yukon if he didn't know how to fix, you know mm-hmm. failures or losses. So, yeah, he's fine. I'm like, but,
0: so what? I think the thing that I love about this Yukon fan base is that they're they're crazy about this team. They're crazy about this program, both the men's and the women's programs. The thing that drives me nuts, is that it feels like every single game is a referendum on a single coach's tenure right so when you have a good win it's time to put dan hurley in the hall of fame he's the greatest coach Oh, exactly you do something like lose at home to providence then all of a sudden it's like we got to have him drawn and quartered at half court yes. pavilion that night so
2: yeah uh, you know what it how much comes, comes at?
0: It. what's that do, do you guys feel that like do you are you I, I, does it drive you as crazy as it drives me
2: Well, see, I don't go, I'm not a Twitter. I don't, I don't go on Twitter. Like I don't, I don't, I don't even know. There's message boards. I don't even know what, how do you, how to even access those? Like um, why? It's like, you know, you hear them talking over the years and it's like, you know, you have to take, I mean, Hey, we love fans. You can't live with them. Sometimes you can't, I mean, you can't live without them. Sometimes you can't live with them, but you can't, I mean, they especially after a loss, nobody's looking on Twitter to see, you know, like what people are saying. I mean, they're they're they're, you know they're they're tuned into fixing what they have to do, but you feel it, like of course you feel it, and it's like what fans don't understand unless you have a high IQ for the game, which most people do not have. I mean, you could be a super fan, you could be, oh, I've been a fan for fifty years. You don't if you don't know the game, the the X's and O's, and you know, like just the game itself, then if your IQ isn't as high, you don't know, like, how come this one didn't play? How come this? one? Well, you don't know that he didn't do what he was supposed to do that led to the other teams. Like, they don't see what was drawn up in practice. They don't see, you're not there. You're not going to know. So, I mean, they they could criticize, you know, all they want, which is, what it's, it's part of being in this job. You know, it's like, if you're not used to it after 25, some years of doing this, then you know, no, you have to have a tough skin. you know what? You have to have a tough skin. Um, Everybody gets it. I mean, look at Jay Wright. I mean, you're going to tell me Jay Wright lost the other night. I mean, look at his score. It's like, you're going to tell me he's a shitty coach. Come on. You know, like, I think he proved himself over and over again. You know, it's like, no. So you just have to, you know, it's out there. But honestly, it doesn't bother me just because I don't see it. You know, it's like, I learned a long time ago, you don't. Why look? It's like who, you know, who's who, who, who's writing this? You know, it could be somebody that I wouldn't know the difference. It could be some somebody who really knows. It. Even the media, like they, nobody knows what the hell that they're doing in practice. And so you could say what you want. Half the time you look like a jabroni because you know you don't know what the hell you're talking about. And they're, you're wasting so much of your life spewing what you think you know. You know so much of the game and you don't know shit. So you let them do their thing. Like I promise you, everything's gonna be good they got it so, they got it
0: so speaking of fans i, I do want to i'm always curious about this how, how much do you get recognized when, you, when you're kind of out like are you in the grocery store and people like oh look at that that's the like to be hurley The you basketball coach do you get any of that at all
2: lately just lately not over not really but like
0: is it, is it because you are now a podcast star and everyone knows i think
2: who- i'm because i'm a podcast <laughs> star i'm gonna tell you something um in the Bahamas was probably like I had the most dopamine ever out there, just because of the fact that like there were people nonstop every day coming up, like every day. And and I'm talking people with like Baylor shirts and you know, just other schools, Arizona State. they're, they're his assistant coach, um, I went and met him for the first time and he's like, I know who you are. And I said, He's like, My my fiance listens to you all the time. I'm like, what? Like really like it was it was it was so nice that is nice but not so much here believe it or not which i thought i would you know because just because unless unless i'm with him but um somebody in 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 whole foods did say to me the other day like are you coach's wife and i'm like yeah like you know like like andrea (laughs) hurley ball's wife like you don't know me from that but um no they rhode island was by the time we left rhode island um it, you know, it was a it's a family out there, you know, because it's so tiny and our area and we lived by campus. So um, in which when we were actually the the day that um you know the, the the whole job decision day was excruciating and I had to leave my house because it was just it was a it was a long day because it was just nobody he didn't know what to do. It was it was it was crazy. And I had to leave and I got a text message from um Cindy. Uh, Bjorn, which is Thor Bjorn's wife and says, do you need me to get you guys food? You, you know, you can't leave today. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, that's crazy. I'm like, nobody knows who I am. Like I, I could go, I'm fine. Like I'm going to go to the food store. I'm going to go to target. Like I ha- that's where I clear my head. She's like, no, you can't. So I'm like, oh my God, like she's right. Cause like that people would know me so much more there than here, but little by little, you know, they are.
0: You'll, you'll get there. You'll get there. You mentioned, uh, changing jobs. Can you just kind of, you've been through a bunch of them with Danny, right? Can you kind of take us through what that process is like for a coach's family? Cause I don't think people realize how quickly it's like, all right, drop it. Now we got to get rid of all this gear that we have. We have to up and move. There's a lot of times where uh, a family won't go with a coach when they first get to the job and you're basically spending a couple months apart. Just kind of take us through what those processes have been like for you.
2: Okay. Um, we were fortunate enough, Rutgers. Um, that was kind of a crazy one. I was very pregnant with Andrew um, when he got fired from Rutgers, and we just bought a house, and we were like, "What do we do?" You know, like, "What do you mean?" Like, he he got fired. So you got fired. Like everybody goes down. So. That was kind of scary. And then, you know, the whole St. then we got into St. Benedict's and um, which was a blessing, which was like the best pl- I mean, that talk about, I could have stayed there forever. Like, you know what? Hey, we, you know, we struggled paying bills and this and that, but let me tell you something like I didn't want to ever leave there. I never wanted to leave our state. I didn't know what it was all about college. You know, like I was so happy with our little, you know, family of high school. It was just something about it. The the school itself, the headmaster was like our family. And then when he said to me one day, I just put my name out there for um, a job. Um, It's Maris. I know I got a lot of shit for this um, from Maris fans, but when I told them the story before, but um, he's like, I'm putting my name out there. I'm not going to get the job. There's so many bigger people, you know, going for the job. Um, And I'm like, why he's like just to get out there and I'm like okay he's like maybe one day I want to you know he's like I got more in me I'm like okay so he ended up getting the job and I couldn't even wrap my head around it it wasn't a good time for my family um, my dad was sick and I, I couldn't go like I'm like I'm crying now like I can't like I couldn't just get up and leave like no it, it wasn't for me so it wasn't the right time um, it, but it was the first time I was like whoa So then we got um, Wagner, which I was like, okay, which was so heartbreaking to leave college. I mean, to leave St. Benedict's, but we, um, you know, he, I knew he, he always wanted to be a college coach. So, you know what it was, we didn't have to move. Um, He commuted every day. um, And that was great. You know, family around everything. Uh, When the Rhode Island job came about again, I don't like change. And it was like, I have a very small family. It's like, I couldn't even fathom moving to another state, you know, like what, like my mom comes over for taco Tuesday. Like I can, how does she do that? You know, like, and when I'm living in Rhode Island and they all had a hard time with it. And I said to my mom, like, we can't, I can't keep him from doing what he wants to do. Like, this is a dream job. Like, this is something he's worked so hard. Like, you know, that's a whole other, topic, like no days off. The man never took a day off. Like he worked so hard to chase his dreams of doing this. Like, how do I say I can't? So the second we got there, like he moved there first. Um, it was a decision that like, it was just like, Hey, you know, it, that was exciting. Even though Wagner was such an amazing place, you know, and we were all in Thorbjorn made it the most easiest transition and made it feel so right from the second we took the tour on campus. And um, it was so exciting, like I was so excited. So actually Danny moved out there and lived in a hotel um, for a little bit, which he schemes everything. So that couldn't last too long. So, and he was trying to get back and forth to Jersey as much as he could, but you can't do that when you're starting up a new program. Um, So then we moved out there shortly after Um, which was seamless. My kid, everything was, I was very nervous for my boys. Um, They were fifth grade and eighth grade. And um, that was the first time that, yeah, I actually had to get them out um, into a new school. And I, that was the hardest thing. And I sat in that parking lot because I worry about my kids the most is like, how are they adjusting to a new school? Like, And I sat in that parking lot from the second I dropped them off to the second they got out and just dying inside, like, please make them like it. And they loved it. So it was like, that was great. You know, like, thank you, God. Like this is um, so right from the bat at Rhode Island, even though it was, it needed a lot of fixing and it was, those fans were tough too. You know, like, you know, if you build it, they will come, they came, you know, it's like, and then again, like, you know, the whole point of like Providence is, is, is kind of like, you know, we have a relationship with Providence and it's a good one because, you know, there's nobody better than Ed and Nouris Cooley, you know, it's like, we, we got to know them and we lived in the same town. We went to the same gym. It's like, Ed's not easy to not like, you know, he's, he's such a great guy and uh, funny. And it's just like, so we had a relationship, but then that rivalry that like you have during the, you know, it's like that one day it makes, you know, it's a tough one. It's a game that you don't look forward to every year. So that we love, I mean, it was just the whole Rhode Island thing, even with Providence, then Rhode Island built up and you know, I wasn't seeing that many Providence. When we first go there, you see Providence stickers all over cars and not that many Rhode Island. And when things were rolling there and teams were getting so good, it was like, all you see is Rhode Island stuff everywhere. And it was just so, it was just a magical place. I I will forever be so blessed and grateful beyond words that we had that opportunity to go there. And um, that leaving there was probably the hardest thing we, I I personally have ever done in my life like I'm a crier and I'm like I couldn't think about like leaving my friends and everything that like meant so much but then again look where we are it's like how do you not say no to UConn and you know it was there was a few jobs floating out there and uh I guess it was our last game uh, it, we were it actually it was the a, a- 10 and I it, you know excuse my ignorance but um I don't know who coaches are. I don't know. I I worry about my little tiny bubble. I never really ventured outside of that. So, um, one of our, one of our, um, coaches, dads came in the lobby and said to me like, Kevin Ali just got fired. I'm like, Kevin Ali, who who is that? Like, like the UConn coach. I'm like, what does that mean? You know, like, Oh, I'm like, that sucks. I'm like, poor God, you know, like, Oh, that I hate to hear that. He's like, UConn's open. So I'm like, okay. You know, like, what is, like, what does that mean? You know, like, uh, okay. So I, I don't know what made me even think about saying to him, like I said, Dan, um, the UConn coach got fired. So he's just like, he's looking at me. I'm just like, UConn's open. He's like, this is the day of the game. Like, how dare, I I don't know what came over me. He's like, do you how any fucking games I have to win to get to UConn? And I'm just like, wow, like, I'm not saying you go to UConn. And I'm like oh my God, like, okay. Like I'm never going to say it again, you know, like, oh my God, Like that's the last time I ever, you know, relayed any messages about anything. So then, um, it was like, of course, like shortly after, like we got, you know, it was like, you hear things and you're just like, wait, what, you know, like people are saying it's on social media. And I'm just like, no way, like what? And then I'm thinking it hits you shit you know, I'm in Rhode Island, which I adore the people, the, the school, the fans, the everything. And it's like to move again, like, but it's Yukon, like you, you know, like what? And then when that, when it was officially, you know, brought out there, like, Hey, um, it was a tough one, you know, cause then we also had pit. So we were meeting with pit too, which they made it like, Oh God, they, you know, they make it so enticing, <laughs> You're like really this, that was, a, that was all like surreal. And then you're like, okay, what do you do? And it was not, it was, it wasn't good. You know, it was like, he had no idea, no idea. It was tough. It was a tough day. And you know, the agent's like, we have to know, we have to know. And then I would say, I would say it. And then he'd say, no, 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 Call Jordan back. And I called Jordan. Back. I'm like, he's like, dude, there. you know, people are waiting. I'm like, so that was the tough one. Um, that was the, that was, that was tough. But then coming here, it's like, it's tough for me being here only because my kids are grown already. So, um, I don't really have that many relationships around except for like the Yukon, which, uh, you know, which is the, the coaches, families and whatever else, but, um, it's, I'm so grateful to be in an area where I could still go. I'm closer to home, closer to home, New Jersey home, you know? So that blessing is something that you can't, ever even, you know, imagine that you had the, the the blessings to be around your family, you know, driving distance. So, you know what, my kids are good. Andrew's a walk on now. I, our life, thank God has been a, a beautiful, beautiful, we've had a beautiful basketball life. Yeah. You know, we've had to rebuild. There's been a lot of tough years, but for the most part, I said, like you know, I'm like, how much longer are we doing this shit for? Like, I'm done. Like, you did it. Like, you've literally like. And he's just like, you know, no. He's he's got you know he's he's here for win that
0: national title first, right?
2: Yeah, I yeah. Let's God knock on wood. Please, God, help us. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that that's actually a perfect segue um, into talking about your podcast, Ballas Wife. So, how did you? Where did this thing come about? Why did you want to get into podcasting? How did you? Uh, how do you and Nicole know each other? Like, give me the whole background for this this show. You know, I, I, I you you produce it through our network, and I don't even really know what the uh, the genesis of this show actually was.
2: Oh I mean, well, okay. We we were very heavily involved in American Cancer Society, um, Nicole and I, for New England, and um, our you know the the woman who was you know our our contact, um, Katie Meager, was always like Andrea, you have to meet Nicole Kellogg. You would love her. And I'm like, okay. Now, mind you, like, I was never in. Like, we were not really in. Like, I was. We, Danny was an assistant coach for a, like a five seconds, you know, at Rutgers, and I was as old as the players. You know, like, I hate to say that, to admit that, but I, I was. We, I, we got married at 20, um, and he got the job in '97, um, literally a month before we got married in August. So, um, I was so young and no idea like so I really wasn't even paying attention to head coaches what they were doing like you know Cindy would come with her friends you know hey hi but then we were there for a short time and that was it I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing as far as like a head coach's wife like what am I supposed to be doing so I ended up um she kept wanting you know this Katie from American Cancer Society kept wanting me and Nicole to talk and I you know I'm like no she's we play UMass. They were, you know, Derek was at UMass and I'm like, no, this doesn't make sense. No, you know, I don't, I don't need that, you know, that relationship that like, it's like weird. And, um, and then we were lucky enough every year. I say it's such a blessing to go on the trips, uh, for Adidas. We had Adidas, um, in Rhode Island and we were invited to this like magical trip, um, to, I don't even know, I don't even know where it was some beautiful place. And I'm reading off the list of people who are going and I'm like, the Kellogg's are going, I'm like, maybe this is the opportunity to talk to Nicole, you know, I'm like, let's, let's see, you know, maybe we get some, you know, what else are we going to do? Like we all have to, well, the second I met this girl, it was like, she just had lost her mom, um, that December before. So, um, she was, you know, she was having a rough time. So we ended up going on this boat and she, I could, you know, she was just sad. I could tell. So we just started talking. And when I tell you from the second, we knew everything, but as you could tell, I'm a talker. Um, I live with a house of boys that nobody, everyone's talked to me. So I, you give me your ear, I give you my life. And, um, what you see is what you get. And she got, she got all of me, like literally more than she probably wanted to. And, um, we told, and then from that day on, I can't even begin to tell you, it was like a connection that I never had with anybody before, especially like, she was like, like we call each other soul sisters because like, I feel her soul. Like she, like we'll call each other sometimes. Um, and it would be like, we don't even have to even say anything. And we, she's a crier, thank God. Um, we're both criers and we could cry. We could, I guess we could be on soap operas and I could cry like that. And she like, she'll, I'll just pick up the phone. And we'd be like. Uh, Like you know, like right away, she's like, I don't know why I'm crying. I'm like, no, me neither. I was like, so I'm like, listen, we have to meet up. So we would meet. Um, then she got the job at LAU. Um, so she's in New York. So we would meet up, and we would talk for hours and hours and hours. And like I, I, I said this story a million times, but like we would have every emotion. We would cry. We would laugh. We would do everything together. And it's just like, dude, like she's like one day should we have to have a podcast? Like there has to be other coaches, wives out there who, you know, we don't want to make this seem like we're not so grateful and fortunate for what we have, but this is, this shit is hard. Like it's hard on everyone. Our families All right, like, who else is feeling this? And I want more friends in the business that we could call up and just be like, Hey, you know, how are you handling a loss? How are you handling it? Like, what do you pack for, you know, your, 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 you know, your conference tournament? Like, you know, you need people like that in your life. So we said, let's just do it. So we did it. And when I tell you, we've made like a ready for the few people that we've had on. Oh my God. Like we have like our little sorority going, you know, it's so nice to it. Let me tell you something. Seasons are hard. This sucks. Like, I'm not going to lie. This is tough because like I said, Dan's you know, he takes it very at a loss, even a win. Sometimes if we play shitty and we won, that that's a tough night. You know, it's like it brings down your whole house. And I, you know, don't you know, I, you know, you tiptoe around your your you know yourself, your him, and you don't know what to say, do you know, and you don't you can't talk, you can't do this, you know, just because you're so afraid to say the wrong thing. And But then he goes off and, you know, starts his day, gets back out there. And I'm, you know, sitting in there like, you know, my insides are tar. So, you know, it's nice to have people that are going through the same thing with you.
0: Very fortunate. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned a little bit about um, the relationships you have with some of the players in the program. And I do want to ask you about a story that that Tyrese Martin told us on this podcast um, last episode. He said... He was scheduled to go to one of the Big East media days, uh, but they had a, a bad practice a day or two before he was supposed to go, and Danny said, "You're not going to Big East media day today." So apparently, what he said is that you stepped in and didn't talk to coach for two or three days until uh, someone sent Tyrese a car at like 4 a.m. to get into Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Is this is this a true story? Yeah, that's accurate.
2: I um, I don't like to get involved too much into you know decision making especially with player coaches you know because i know it's not just one coach deciding it and i you know but there's some things that i need to um you know voice my and i'm i'm greek i'm italian like i'm gonna tell you like i i'm gonna get my way so um
0: jersey you're you're gonna you're gonna say
2: what you guys i'm from jersey that's a let me that's a swirl of some yeah i'm not gonna say it but yeah 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 so um he said, I was in Jersey, actually, I had a doctor's appointment in Jersey. So I was in Jersey and he called me that night and said, um, he said, uh, like, now this was 11 o'clock at night. And he said, um, something. And he said, you know, Tyrese had a shit practice. So I left him behind. I was like, what? Like he was in New York. I was like, what did you say? Tyrese had a shit practice. He's like, yeah, he, he, I didn't let him come because he, he practiced like crap and, you know, he doesn't deserve to be here. I was like, he had one practice that he sucked it up and you're going to leave. Like, that's a privilege for a senior to go to media day. I was like, let me tell you something. I said, I'm going to say it one time and I'm not going to say it again. If that child is not at media day in the morning, I said, we're going to have some major problems. So I hung up. And then the text, then he calls me and I just kept hanging up. This is what we do, like really very childish. And then he texted me, stay in your lane. And I said, that is my lane. I'm like, let me tell you something, that kid's not there. I'm like, we're good. I'm just telling you right now. So that went on till way over midnight. And um, I didn't, I was going to text Eric Yonkowski, who is like my, go-to guy for every single thing. And, um, but it was so late and I'm like, I can't torture this kid. I torture him enough. Like, so I texted him in the morning. I I didn't talk. I said, we're done. Like didn't talk to Danny. And I just, I I prayed literally all night, like, dear God, please make this man do the right thing. And, um, I'm like, I said, I said, I'll never look at you the same again. I'm like, that is some bullshit. So I texted Eric first thing in the morning. I said, please, Eric, tell me that that child is at media day. And he sent me a picture of Tyrese in a suit (laughs) 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 standing in front of the Yukon sign in Madison Square Garden or wherever the hell they were. I was like, oh, so I just texted Big Daddy. and said, you're lucky. So he's just like, he was like, that's the last time I ever listened to you. I'm like, whatever. So then Eric's like, thank you, you saved it. I'm like,
0: yeah, thanks. You You gotta stick up for your boys.
2: stick up for my boys my boys mean the world to me let me tell you something our boys work so freaking hard you know to make this you know they they're fighting their they what they go through nobody would ever imagine like you hear what they go through you don't actually know what they go through unless you're directly into programs like this it's like they work so hard around the clock even like there's some days I don't, you don't even want, you don't want to do shit. I can't even mop my floor. I'm too, I'm too I don't feel like it. I could say, they can't say that. It's like, they're on all the time. It's like, they're, like, you know what? Like they're kids too. It's like, give them a break.
0: Especially my with what they went through last year with all the isolation and all, um, you know, they couldn't, they, you didn't get any of that college basketball experience last season, right? Uh, but to be able to to kind of let them enjoy it a little bit, you know? I'm with you. I'm with you.
2: Exactly. I mean, exactly. when our kids, our kids had a, yeah, our kids had a, um, when they, when somebody got COVID last year, they put them in the hotel on campus by themselves for what, like 10, 14 days, they would leave their, their food outside their door, like an animal. What I said to Daddy, I'm, I'm baking, I'm cooking for them. I'm this, I'm that he's like, can't do it. It's a violation. I'm like, making them food is a violation. Like, can we clear it? Can somebody go? He's like, we can't, is it, like, it killed me that I couldn't help these kids out. Like they were by themselves. So many of them, like Tyler and Tyler, such, he's so like, just, just as, Oh my God, like the sweetest kid. So like, well, mannered. he just looks at like, you know, and I just was so worried for him to be by himself. Are you okay? He would never, I don't think he would tell anybody that he wasn't, you know. So. I, that killed me. And I kept texting him and that kid doesn't text back. He makes me crazy. So I'm like, are you okay? Are you okay today? And I would, I'm doing a daily check-in. My daily check-ins went for 14 days and then <laughs> I guess he's okay. <laughs> Sometimes they're like,
0: leave me alone. So is that a role that you've played with all of Damie's teams? Um, I guess like um, the, the den mother, I guess maybe is the way. Den right. mom,
2: Yeah, I guess. I, it started in Rhode Island. Um, well, actually it's not, that's not true. I have a lot of kids at Wagner, um, that I hear from regularly, like Ming. Oh, Ming. Ming's always around. He's always around. He's loved that kid. Um, a few of them, but Rhode Island, um, just because I got to know them from, I always say when they're babies, when they come here as little teeny tiny ones, you know, like you, that you, you, it's like, you feel like you're actually like a foster family because you, my husband calls it um, the bachelor sometimes. Cause it's like, it, it is like the episode of a bachelor. Like when you recruit kids, it's like you go on hometown dates, you know, you, you, you look at them, you go on hometown dates, they go to you, you come to them and then you're like, is he going to pick up, you know? So it's like an episode of the bachelor kind of, but then, but for me, it's like, once they say they're coming here, it's like, you're their foster home for what it's worth for the four years. You know, it's like They come to you as these little, tiny, little ones. And when you see their pictures from, you know, freshman year to senior year, it's like they're babies. So they come here from all around the world and you have to take them in and you, you know, do your, you know, you just watch them grow and you, you do, you know, everything about them, you know, when they're in trouble sometimes, it keeps a lot of that for me, but then you, you, when they get hurt, you just. You want to be there for them and know that, you know, there is a mother figure. It, it, it's tough. It's a it's a raw job. I mean, who the hell is giving you a hug? Nobody gives me a freaking hug. You know, it's like I'm in a, like a man's world. It's like, you know, just so you know, like I'm here. I, I, I do little spurts of things to let them know how much I really do care about them, hopefully without, you know, going, you know, being annoying. I don't want to be annoying, but I I just want them all to know here I am. You know,
0: so do you do that with the the staff as well? I I heard a story that you've helped out babysitting a little bit for uh for Luke Murray and and his wife as they're kind of adjusting to their move. Uh, oh
2: I, oh god, I love that. But you know, Luke, we've known Luke forever. Luke is like. I I mean, I love that kid. You know, it's like, I call him kids, like I'm like 70 years old, but everybody under me, is a kid. So yeah, he's, it's just, there's something about him. You know, we've connected um, when he was at Rhode Island. um, Luke and I just had such a great relationship. Danny would do his radio shows because there Rhode Island, you do radio show every week at a, you know, at a different restaurant, a different place. And um, Luke and I would just like, literally just tell stories and we've and when, you know, I was so sad to hear, you know, that, you know, when he got fired, I'm like, oh my God, like, and I'm saying to myself, oh my God, who knew, who knew he would be, you know, he'd come back here. It was so amazing. I was so happy and Kara love, love Kara. And uh, yeah, I helped them babysit. I never met their kids before because they were off having kids, you know, and far away. So it was Kara and Luke when they left, and then Kara and like all these kids when they came back here. So he has two little boys, and I had to watch them one day. And my life is all boys, like I'm surrounded by them. So I'm sending him pictures, his kids jumping on my head. I had like I have like scratch four like scratch marks on my my cheek for like a week because the kid was like ripping my face apart. And I'm like, Where are the girls? Like, can, can somebody have a girl? And then he just had a girl. So yeah. I'm around. I'm, I'm Mama Hurley. Like I'm here. I'm here for anybody who needs me.
0: So I, I got to know who's worse at changing diapers, Luke or Danny Hurley.
2: I had never seen either of them change a diaper. Honestly, <laughs> I don't think they even know how to
0: do that. I, I just, I just changed a dirty diaper about 15 minutes before we started recording this podcast.
2: No, actually I've never, I don't, I don't honestly, on, I'm telling you the God's honest truth. I'm not sure it even ever happened. Like, there, little Danny was born. My first was born. I have a picture of it, and I was I was I was young. I was 22 And I had him. We 20 when we got married, so I had him after we got married. And I um, my we left Danny home with Big Danny. Um, He just now, mind you, like Danny had to leave. Little Danny was born July 1st, and Big Danny had to leave July 5th to go recruiting for a month. So he got home. Um, and then we actually had a, our house out of fire. So we had to move back in with my mom. So he was commuting to Rutgers from Tom's River. And um, he just got back from not being home for a whole month. And so he really didn't, he never really, that whole first month he lost with Danny. And um, so he really didn't know that, you know, what was going on. And I had to get the hell out. Like, my mom's like, can we leave him home with the baby and go to Target? And I was like, Ma, I have to. I have to get out without a kid attached to me. And I left him home and I didn't even get out of my mom's development and he's calling. And my mom goes, don't answer it. There's no. There's nothing he needs. I'm like, we left everything for him. He Don't answer it. And he called me and he's like, you have to come home. I don't know what just happened. Now I had his changing, Danny's changing like, little pad on the counter in the kitchen well he must have like went to go try to change them and little danny like squirted shit across the entire kitchen so he just he had like he was just like standing there in a pad i said mom we can't even go to freaking target like i had to go i like it wasn't even five minutes so i think from then on he was like no I'm not good.
0: doing it not doing it he's he's a bit of a germaphobe right you can't change a dirty diaper.
2: Extremely. Extremely. Yeah. I remember like, you know, like I keep saying it's, it's, I'm in a man's world and I had like, I I'm sensitive in some ways, but in other ways I am tough as nails. Like I, I don't get upset over silly things. Like, you know, like, Oh, he didn't do this for me. He didn't do that for me. You know what? Like he didn't come here. Stop. You know, like, I don't, I don't need that. I'm not a, you know, I'm not like that at all, but Um, one time I will never forget this. I was so sick. I had the flu so bad and he was home with the kids and I could hear, and they were little, little, and I could hear so much going on and to take him out. And I was, all I wanted was like water. And you know, when you sit up and you have a fever and the room's spinning and you don't feel you're sweating and you're freezing and he didn't come upstairs one time to even check to see if I was alive. So I am I started hitting the, the headboard of my bed to please help me. Like I need to, what I need, I need something, please help me. And I'm going help. And I couldn't get it out, but I heard them all rustling downstairs and he's saying, sit down, let me put your shoe on. So I'm going help, like nobody nobody came upstairs. Like He didn't come upstairs, I could have been dead. Nobody came to check on me. And then he, next thing I know I heard the door close. And I was like, oh, my God, they left. Like, I don't, he took them to the park or something. So I had to go down the steps, sitting down, got my own stuff. But he didn't come. He wouldn't go in that room because I was sick. Two days, two days. I had, it. I could have been, like I said, I could have been, you know, dead and buried by that time he even came to check on me.
0: How, how does but that's he, what I live with? How did he, how do you survive a uh, a worldwide pandemic for two years as someone that can't be in the same room as someone that has, a, has the flu?
2: Um, well, because he, he had you know, God forbid we, if you sneezed or coughed, it was insane. It was like, my kids just did it to be annoying, but I mean, we knew we did not have it. Um, but cause we never left the house, but when there was groceries in, I have pictures of it. It was like, he would, um, if we didn't, if we had it delivered, everything would be at our front door and he had a system. He'd leave it outside for a while. He'd all the bags from so far away, like from outside. He'd all. we'd have to leave them again. I'm like, our chicken is rotting. Like we have stuff outside that needs to go in. And then we'd have rubber gloves on. Um, He'd line the hallway with plastic bags and we'd have to sit there and wash everything. And he'd watch me like every single thing. It was torture. I mean, it was, that was, that was hard. And then if we went, I say, please, let me just go. I wanted to leave. I said, please, let me just go to Whole Foods by myself. I want to go by myself. And he says, I have to watch you. So he, he's like, you're going to touch something you shouldn't touch. And I was like, I had to keep my hands on like the shopping cart. I, you know, sometimes I grab it, you go, you know, like, and I had to just take what I wanted. And he counted down, we we had to go, 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 go. So it was, that part was hard, you know, but he did most, he was on the phone. I want to say 12 hours out of the day, at least, um, either zooms phone every single day. There wasn't many times that he wasn't and he would do everything outside. So it was nice to have, it was time with our family that, you know, people say this, but it's so true my kids were home. We would have never had that time together. We never, how much time has a college coach have with his family? Never. So that was the positive part about it, but it got old quick.
0: (laughs) Cause he's always around, right?
2: oh, and he's so loud and he's like it's ignorant. It's like, I want to start cooking dinner. And he, he like, you know, sets up shop in the kitchen. Like, you know, I'm going to cook dinner. Like, why are you here? You know, like go downstairs. Like there's other places that we, everywhere I wanted to go, he was there, which was so annoying. But um, it, it, you know, my patients, you know, was wearing things, especially because you can't leave um he man he did made us do mandatory family walks um during the day which never never ended started or ended well um, yeah cuz we we'd be walking and this little girl it's embarrassing like he didn't want anybody near us and this little girl like there was a family that was walking oh far far behind and their kid was on a bike and she kept going past us but close and he'd yell at it, like like get lost beat it like get, get away from us like and i'd be like you're so rude. And he'd turn around and just stare at the people and like point to the kid. And I'm like, stop. Like we, that's so embarrassing. The kid doesn't have COVID. She's on a bike.
0: (laughs) All right. So uh, I've kept you already for 40 minutes longer than I told you. You did? Yeah. So I have, I have three questions. We're going to end this with a three. pack.
2: I won't talk long. I promise.
0: No, no. I, and, but, but here's the thing. You gotta be, gotta be honest about these questions. Okay. okay? So um, I want to know the most embarrassed you've been by something that, uh, that Dan has done on the sideline during the game.
2: Um, I don't like when he tells people to stand the F up. Don't like that. When he says, like when he gets so mad that everybody's just sitting there and the kids are fighting for their lives and everybody's just like, you know, waiting to sigh. or he When he tells people to stand up, it's embarrassing to me. Like, don't tell people what to do. it's not the foot stomps it's not the screaming at reps i don't no i don't care like that that doesn't bother me it's not even the getting thrown out i don't that i i mean i Some. it's it's when p tells us to stand up that bothers me nothing else
0: (laughs) that's what gets you yeah nothing else what about when uh did you see the clip of it was the saint bonaventure game after rj hit that shot with like a minute left and he's yeah. in his face like, you're a bad fucking man like yeah
2: yeah no no he's i mean i, I just feel bad for the kids i know he's spitting i because he spits when he yells like if we get in a fight and we're like 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 he spits when he yells i'm like disgusting like you know i just know he's spitting on people but no i mean that he's telling the kid like yeah, you know what? Like he gets so fired up that it's like, Hey, whatever he does out there, he's fight. He's technically fighting for his life. Every time he steps on that court, it's like, he's fight. We are like, this is what, this is what his whole life is, is that's showtime. And it's like, you know, sometimes you lose your mind. It's he's putting a thousand and ten percent into every second of that game, and if he's, you know, if he, if he's, if he's, you know, sticking up for his players, if he's telling his players how great. I mean, he did. There was that one. It, it keeps coming up. It's so funny. Um, with Jalen when they beat Syracuse, um, oh, yeah. that he hit him hard. I said, don't smack his ass that hard. It's too hard. You know, like his face, whatever he did. I'm like, he gets so. And one time he hit um one of our other players. Like he was so happy, he hit him in the head. The poor kid was like, oh. I said if you hurt them by like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. But no, and nothing bothers me.
0: No, nope. well, that, uh, that, That's good to know. I, what I need is I need to play that clip of, of you're a bad fucker. Like when I go out and I, and I change a dirty diaper perfectly, or like I fold one of my kids fitted sheets. I, I want <laughs> a clip of Danny Hurley screaming. You're a bad fucking man at me.
2: But wait, did you higher. see, but you know what he, uh, did you see um, RJ was standing there? Like, like he didn't know what he was going to say to him <laughs> it, or just, just sitting there like, like he didn't know what was coming out of his mouth because look, he was like screaming at him to say you suck, you know, and he's just like, but it was, yeah, <laughs>
0: that's right. normal. That's normal. All right, question, uh, question number two, um, how did, uh, how did Dan woo you back in the day? Well, I want to know what the first date was.
2: Oh, he never wooed me. I like I said, I, that's the first question I'm going to ask God when we go to, when we go, when we go to heaven, I know I'm going to heaven. When I go to heaven, it's the first thing I'm going to ask, like, how the hell did you put us together? Because there wasn't anything. It was like, it was like, we, um, I met my friend, um, Emily Griffiths at the time, she was dating a basketball player, wanted me to hang out with, you know, with, wanted me to date somebody on the team. And I'm like, no, I was like, no. And, um, And then at a bar one night, it was like, it was at the hall back in the day at Seton Hall. She was like pointing behind me, you know, like to him. And I'm just like, come on, man, you know, like really? So then I had to go meet him and he was like, it was like talking to a corpse, you know, it was like, I'm like, Hey, you know, and then, um, he came up to me and said, you want to ride home? And I'm just like, Oh you want to take me home? Yeah, shit. Because I was in the middle of South Orange. I want to ride home. And so he's like, I'm like, my friend, I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm filling his car. Like, my friends, like, you're ready. Like, we got to ride home. So filled. And he's just like, let me take them home. And then he said, uh, you know, you, you know, what are you doing? Uh, 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 that was a Thursday. He's like, what are you doing Saturday? And I'm just like, nothing. It's Seton Hall. You don't do shit on the weekends. You know, I'm like, yeah, nothing. So he said, uh, let you want to go to the movies. And I'm like, sure. Now, mind you, I have straight hair. I mean, I have very curly hair. I just straighten it. So the night he met me, I had poker straight hair. And then Saturday when he picked me up for the movies, I did my hair really curly. So in pure Danny Hurley fashion, I crawled into his car. I was like, hey, you know, like, hi. Because he was outside of Boland. And um, he says, uh, I'm not in the mood for fucking games. And I'm like, he's like, where is she? I was like, where's who? He's like- you're not Andrea. I'm like, I am. I'm like, I, my hair's curly. I'm like, I had, so I'm sitting there like this, like, do you see, like, and I'm like pulling my hair down and he just didn't say a word and just drove off. I was like, <laughs> like with me in the car. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And then we just kept hanging out and there was just something about him that I just, I don't know. Like, it was just, it was like a friendship. And then it was like, I love this guy. Like it was just like we were just made for like, hey, not too many people could be where I I'm toot toot, but not too many people could be sitting where I'm sitting right now and going through this life. I could tell you right now. So you know what? It was just it was just made, you know. And let me tell you something. We had a few rough years in the beginning there. I when I didn't realize what this job was about and what he was doing, and he was never home. And you know, and this is high school, and he's telling me, you know, there is no days off and You know, that was a, that was tough, but you know what? Like we ended up just making it work and here we are.
0: I love that your first date, uh, he didn't even recognize you. No idea. That's just, that's such a great story. (laughs) Uh, All right. Third question. Last question I got for you. How are the chickens doing?
2: Done. Chickens are gone. Yeah, that was short-lived. Uh, I, I, like I said, do I need one more thing on my plate here? Um, the house that we bought, beautiful house, but it is, it it puts the money pit to shame. It's like, there's always something, a big issue with my house and the chickens were not adding to it. I still, to this day, I have leaks all over. I, I have buckets everywhere. I, I, every five minutes or something else, air conditioned, heat, I can't, I'm like, chickens, you're done. I called some guy, my plow guy, actually. I said, do you want, do you want chickens? Do you eat chicken? Like, I don't know, you want a chicken? And he came with his friend You know what? It it was the winter that killed me because I don't have electricity out there. So I'd have to keep carrying water twice a day. And I'd have to come home from what I was doing to get the chickens fresh water. And they were my pets. You know, they weren't he wouldn't let me bring them in the garage when it got cold. God forbid. So chickens are gone. No more. I'm done. Yeah, it was fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was fun while it lasted.
2: It was fun for. Yeah, yeah, it
0: was fun, but they're done. Well, listen, Andrea, I appreciate the time. Um, it was nice to be able to share some of your story a little bit, uh, let people know uh, who you are and promote this ball is wife podcast. We got to blow this thing out. We got to make it the biggest podcast in the world.
2: I know. And we're so bad at it. I don't do social media and anybody who texts me social media, even um, messages me on social media. I'm sorry. I don't do I don't I'm not good. I shouldn't. I shouldn't even have a phone. Um, I don't even put it out on. We could be so much bigger. We're happy in our little cocoon. And I know it could, we can do this so much better. Um, but I'm just loving that people are loving it. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to, we're going to do real. I mean, as long as I'm not really doing it to be big and huge. unlike doing it selfishly for our own, you know, to make friends.
0: Because you and, like doing it.
2: And I love, obviously I love to talk. So it's good win win.
0: Well, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been another episode of Top Dog.